A very good morning to you all and uh, good morning from beautiful Cliffany in North Sligo where we're checking in this morning on the progress and indeed effectiveness of your local councillors. That is the councillors in the Sligo Drum Cliff electoral area. We're broadcasting live here from Harrison's Bar and Restaurant in Cliffany. It is three years since the last local elections and as a sort of a midterm review, we've invited the five elected councillors in this particular area, namely councillors Thomas Walsh, Thomas Healy, Tom Fox, Donald Gilroy and Marie Casserly to come along this morning and respond to your queries, uh, the issues that are affecting you in this Sligo Drumcliffe electorate, which is a very, very broad area geographically, as you probably know. So the councillors will join us here after 10 o'clock. Have your questions ready, and there are lots in already. You can call us now on 071 911 8104. You can text or WhatsApp to 083 530. But before that, for the next hour, we'll be joined by a number of uh, local guests and interesting guests from the uh, North Sligo area. Among our guests this morning will be uh, Viola McSharry, uh, mom of well-known Olympian and champion swimmer Mona McSharry. Um, local historian Joe McGowan will join us. But our first guest this morning is the proprietor of where we're broadcasting from, Declan Harrison. Uh, Declan, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, and welcome, and thanks for inviting us along this morning. No problem, it's and, great to have uh, you with the team the, here. The sun is out. The sun is out in between the showers, yeah, but it's meant to be uh, nicer later in the day. It is, yeah. How are things going in general, business-wise? it's okay it's um it's not as bad as we had expected are they uh with the huge increases across the board um so yeah it's it's steady it's it's not too bad yeah now uh, the, the the winter season ahead is it the the doom and gloom that many are predicting or is it a case of um holding on to your hat and getting getting through i mean sure you've been through all this sort of these sort of challenges before in your well, time in business. Believe it or not, I'm 25 years here oh, yeah. this month managing 25 it. 25 years. 25 years, yeah. Um, my mother and brother asked me to take it over 25 years ago and I said I'd give it a go for a, a year or two. Yeah. And uh, I'm still here now to this day. But uh, doom and gloom, not quite sure about that. I'm not sure yeah. it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough on everyone as regards the cost of fuel. Fuel yeah. and electricity, that's where it's going to hit people in their pockets. And of course, they're going to have to make choices uh, as regards if they go out or not. So, but doom and gloom, not quite sure about that. I wouldn't be um, ready for Armageddon anytime soon. Yeah. And were you encouraged with what was included in the budget? Is it helpful to businesses such as yours? Of course. And uh, indeed, uh, you know, over the last number of years the government has been very helpful to our industry very helpful and has kept a lot of business doors open but i am seeing a lot of people now just giving up closing the doors and oh, saying yeah. ah yeah it's it's pretty bad around the country now as regards restaurants small cafes businesses with small turnovers have a bottom line mm. and when that bottom line just isn't it, it, it you can't get it in a day there's no point in being open yeah but you continue to be busy here. We do, uh, we do, and I, I really can't complain. We have huge support from the people of Grange, of Maharao, and indeed all the way from Sligo, all the way to Ballyshannon. Let's yeah. not forget our good friends and in Ballyshannon and Kinlaw. passing trade here, your ID lo- located yeah. here, as we yeah. know, yeah. as well. Indeed. Uh, so, yeah, we, uh, we continue to be busy. Now, we put a lot of effort in during the COVID situation to keep people safe and... We uh, built the terrace with the retractable roof out here, which has been a huge asset to yeah. us. Uh, coming out of COVID and onwards, it will, it will continue to be a great asset to us. 
Yeah, this must be the place, so isn't that it? Ah, this is the place. Yeah. Well, we like to think so. All right, okay. So you, you mentioned energy costs, and they have been, well, they continue to be a real challenge for businesses, but you had your own uh, difficulties quite recently, as highlighted on our show. We did. Myself and Mark joined you a couple of months back in June just to make people aware, aware of what was happening with Ibadrola and their yeah. exit from the energy market at the time. And uh, there was a huge problem, which now we're seeing in small stories like, uh, you know, a small shop owner from Mayo gets a bill for €28,000. Um, other people saying can't continue, can't pay. Uh, and in, indeed, people are finding this at home now as well, in their own homes. This is not a story about business. This is just a story about uh, energy providers in this country. Yeah. And uh, the lack of regulation from the CRU, who is the commissioner for re- the regulation of utilities in this country. Yeah. And to be quite honest, she has done an absolutely terrible job at this and taking care of these uh, companies exiting the market. Yeah. So, 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 so remind people what, how it impacted on your business and what happened. Sure. Well, with, with Eva Drolla, when they left the market, uh, we were handed over to what's called the supplier of last resort, mm. who in this case are Electric Ireland for electricity, board gosh for gosh, uh, for gas. Um, so basically, without being given any choice or free market uh, choice at the time, we were just handed over to them and told we could not leave them for 30 days. Yeah. Now, at the time, I could have gotten a cheaper rate on the market if I was allowed, but I wasn't allowed. And uh, this is where the problems arise. Just a huge increase. Uh, for us at that time, I believe it was about 110, 113%. Since yeah. that, things have gotten worse. So we contacted Electric Ireland and said, we find your rates are just way over the market average. We want to move somewhere else. They say, you're not allowed to move. We contact the CRU. Uh, They can't even give you a fixed rate at the moment. Electric Ireland won't even give us a fixed rate. So we have no way of knowing what our energy costs are going to be next week, let alone next year. We just have no way of of knowing that. Um, So it continued on over the summer anyway. Eventually, Electric Ireland were so fed up talking to me on the phone. I rang them every day for 20 days, three times a day, and I said, you're not my provider. Yeah. This is illegal. I want, to, I want out of this now. And uh, they said, okay, just leave us alone and go away, basically. They sent me an email saying, please just leave us alone and go away. And uh, we went to the market, and then we were blocked by the CRU uh, from moving to another suppli- supplier. So eventually on the 1st of September, when that time period of 90 days was up, the electricity prices had gone up further again. Mm. So when we went back to the market on the 1st of September, after being locked into this period with Electric Ireland, you're looking at a 300% increase. 300%? From our Ibadrola. From our Ibadrola contract, which on the 1st of September would still not have been up. And and there you were uh, when you switched, just trying to save costs. Just trying to save costs, It has rebounded spectacularly. Spectacularly. And, and, And... that is the CRU's fault for not dealing with them in this way. Like, there's 13 pages in every document when you sign an electrical contract saying what they can do to you if you don't pay. Yeah. There's not one line to say, what if the electric company leaves the market? Okay, and you're not the only one affected by this. Uh, no. What you're doing is somewhat of a test case, I think, isn't it? And yeah, so yeah. what we're doing is uh, we've, contract- we've contacted the CRU with a- an official complaint against them. Uh, so the CRU, believe it or not, are exempt from investigation in this country. Mm. So 
Aoife McGeverly, who's the head of the CRU, cannot be investigated in this country for any actions. Mm. And we believe this warrants an investigation as to, you know, just even European free market law. You're allowed shop around for the best price. In fact, the minister was just on the radio telling us, shop around, get the best price. But that wasn't the case for the Iberdrola customers who were just handed over to the supplier of last resort. All right, OK. Uh, you're, you're a big sports fan, Declan, finally, I think, aren't you? We have a, a lot of connections fan. here with soccer yeah, house, and Gaelic, yeah. yeah. Delighted to see the, the, the women qualifying for the World Cup, I'm sure. The Absolutely. Night. Fantastic. Fantastic. Mm. Now just give the girls a break and let them get on with the celebration. All right, OK. Declan, for now, thanks for joining us. Thank thanks you very, very much. much. Declan Harrison, proprietor of Harrison's Bar and Restaurant here in Cliffany. Uh, Viola is with us. Viola McShire. Good morning to you, Viola, and how are you? Good morning. Are you well? Of course, no problem at all. Viola, of course, is the mother of uh, Olympian and uh, champion swimmer Mona McShire, who's in Tennessee at the moment, I think, still. That's right, yeah. She's no, training in Knoxville, Tennessee. No midterm break for, for Mona yet <laughs> <No>. after. <laughs> well, what can we say about Mona? She has thrilled not only North Sligo, but the entire country over the past two years? She, uh, I suppose she has. She doesn't see it in the big picture. She just gets on with her job. Does she not? Like, she just no, sees it? No, no. She's, uh, she's just happy out working away there. And if things go well for her, she's happy. Yeah. Well, they have been going well for her. They, they have been going very well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you ever think way back then when you were on those early morning trips... <laughs> uh, bring her De- to swimming practice that definitely it, it not no definitely not and even now looking back it's kind of a little bit surreal that she was swimming in the Olympics and got as far as the yeah. final it is uh, you just take it one step at a time one day of training at a time and just carry on with the job like you know it's it's just something you just keep doing yeah and looking back at the Olympics it was last year the Olympics it, it was yeah last, it was yeah, last year yeah. it's hard to believe and the, and the homecomings because there were a number of them but yes. It must have been incredibly, oh, incredibly it was incredible. Proud. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just glad that because for a while with COVID and everything, uh, it looked like the Olympics weren't taking yeah. place at all. So that was, of course, very disappointing. And then when it was postponed, uh, it still looked a bit sketchy. So we were just delighted that eventually the athletes got to go over, like you know, and then for her to just kind of nail it in every swim that she done was was really really exciting yeah uh, can you was it a mixture of pride and, and nerves back then for the finals uh, I, I always get very very nervous you? <laughs> you know, even, we, even still oh even still at every little even if she just swims a collegiate race like i do get nervous uh for her just you know because i want everything to go well for her obviously because we don't know what what's going to happen there is a possibility uh, they have a pro team so she could stay on and keep continuing training there yeah. but we'll just wait and see what happens yeah does she does she like tennessee or she, she likes tennessee she likes training there the weather is good in tennessee not like this morning well, it's here not too bad. <laughs> it was a bit, uh, bit showery area but it's okay now but but she does get a little bit homesick. She likes sure the she sea. Does. Of course, she's far from the sea there in Tennessee, so she loves getting home. But I think she likes the training environment like uh, and the team that's around her. Yeah. Uh, she's very grounded, isn't she? Always yeah. was. I remember she was in our studio years ago. She was only a teenager at the time. Yeah. And she was very, very level-headed even back then. She is. She has kind of... She has a focus on what she wants to do when she gets on with it. And she... She just kind of focuses on it solely and, and does what needs to be done to get there. Okay, so she'll be home, will she? Um, Christmas, maybe? Uh, no, hard to know. She's thinking about it, possibly not, because they yeah. don't get a long break and she has just been over here for about 10 days. So 
that was nice. Uh, she didn't have to go training. She could do normal things like any other person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she mightn't be home for Christmas at all. And then we'll see her at some stage next year. We'll see what happens. OK. But fantastic scenes in Grange and in Ballyshannon, as we remember. Yes. Uh, last year in the homecoming. It was a fantastic homecoming. And thanks very much to all the people that came out and organised it. Uh, it really was a buzz. And Mona enjoyed it so much. Just yeah. waving to the people, just getting, seeing people stepping outside the house and just waving as she was driving by. It was just really a nice, nice feeling for her. Yeah. And do people ask you about her progress all the time? Oh, all the time, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. OK. Well, we don't want to put any pressure on her, but uh, you'd like to see an Olympic medal someday, I'm sure. Sure. Look, we'll we, we just wait and see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> she has to qualify first and Absolutely. then we'll take it from it's there. It's very competitive, isn't it? It is very competitive. Like, yeah. But the fact that it's so close to, to us here that we could all travel over to France, it would be, it would be nice if yeah. she took part. OK, well, let's see. And speaking about being competitive, how did you get roped into the fittest family? <laughs> it was actually our son, Morik, that when he was younger... He wanted to do it. Did he? He watched the programme. He he, liked we, it. we all watched the programme. It's kind of exciting, you know. It's yeah. nice family uh, entertainment. So he said, and we applied. And then for years we couldn't take part because there was always some kind of a competition on for Mona and it just interfered. So then one year uh, we said, oh, sure, we might as well do it now because there was nothing on. Uh, so we said, we'll, we'll try it. And we did. And did you enjoy it? You did. Was It, it was... <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's the right word. It was it was tough going, wasn't it? It's tough going, yeah. Uh, it's just all about teamwork, really. Like, obviously, you have to have a certain level of fitness, but if, if the family doesn't work together as a team, um, you're doomed. Okay. You didn't fall out or anything over it anyway? We did several times. Well, yeah. did <laughs> <laughs> it didn't seem to take from your success in it anyway. Right, but no. the, the community have been very supportive yeah. of, of Mona as, has been over many years and yeah. that's, that's important as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Like, from, from even from a young age on, like, you know, when she was only ju- uh, swimming at junior uh, level, like, the community was always behind her and there's great, great support going on for her. All right, okay. Not only for her, only for the other athletes as well in the village. Okay, well, let's hope there's more, lots more homecomings uh, in the future. So, Viola, thanks for dropping by Thank you very this much. morning. Thanks very much, Viola McSharry. We're going to take a break. Right, welcome back. Broadcasting live this morning from Harrison's Bar and Restaurant in Cliffany. The uh, councillors from the Sligo Drumcliff Electoral District will be with us to answer uh, your questions and queries after 10, and there are a number in already. Uh, in Ballantrillic, we're told... Uh, the last before the last elections, we were promised high-speed fibre broadband in Ballantrillic. Um What is the situation with that? Someone else says there's no public transport in Ballantrillic. What is the situation in relation to that? And a lot of questions coming in in relation to a Hamlish cemetery uh, down the road. And it's timely that we have our next guest in studio, Frank Keelty, is with us, and you're chairperson, Frank, of the uh, Hamlish Cemetery Committee. Yes, not right. Yes, okay, yes. what is the problem with the Hamlish? And it's uh, a problem which is replicated <coughs> in many. Cemeteries around the northwest region. Basically, the problem is uh, we've run out of uh, burial spaces there. The cemetery is full up. We need uh, new grounds. Uh, we've been campaigning for that for a number of years. Which well, a, a long, a long time. I don't, yeah. I, I lost count many times we've covered this at council yeah. meetings. Yeah, many, many years. Several years, yes. So what, why is there no progress from your point of view? We'll ask the councillors about this later. I, I am, well, I understand the council have made efforts to acquire ground but uh, have been unsuccessful. Uh, the, the nearest land to it, uh, uh, the, the landowner in that situation was already 
the, the new part of the cemetery was acquired by CPO of him. And I understand that um, you, they can't CPO that person a second time. And yeah. that, that's understandable and it would be unfair to do so, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. But it, it continues to be a concern uh, for local people, isn't it? Very much so, yes. Um, it has reached a situation now where, in some cases, uh, locals have to go to uh, uh, Ratcormick for a burial. Which is not really acceptable. No. Uh, at all. Well, it uh, isn't, no. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what are your hopes? And we'll be talking to the councillors, as I say, after 10 in relation to that. What, what are your hopes? Or are you seeing any um, signs that this problem will be resolved in the near future? Well, recently um, it was suggested to us that... Um, the grounds on either side of the avenue down to the cemetery uh, would be made, uh, could be purchased uh, from the landowner who was the Mr. Tony, I understand. He would be amenable to uh, selling that ground. Uh, but I don't know how suitable it is. It's, uh, it, it's quite small and um, it's covered in woodland. Yeah. So I don't know how feasible it would be to uh, clear it and develop it. Yeah, uh, or whether that is feasible. That 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 is on offer, I understand, but uh, I don't know what the council view on it would be. Okay, right. We'll, we'll get the update, as I say, after ten. Uh, you, you wanted also to raise the issue of gullies not being cleaned. For yeah, a the, of the years. gullies along the, the the main roads here uh, have been cleared this year so far. On, on the N15, you're yeah, saying? yeah. Okay, and. Um, Whereas I understand they have been cleared in South Sligo, they haven't been done here. There's quite a lot of surface water yeah. needs to be uh, cleared off the main road here. Um, I don't know why it hasn't been done, but it hasn't. Okay, you're also on the uh, on the board of management of the local school, Frank. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, and you're, on, we you're, have, on, uh, you're on lots of committees. I'd say you are. <laughs> well, good community man. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't know. I, I'm on those yes. things anyway. Um, yeah, we, uh, with regard to the board of management of the school, we have certain concerns about parking, and it can be quite it can be quite busy there at uh, you know when, at school opening times and yeah. at, at the end of school day, and uh, it's a very busy road, and we have been trying to uh, encourage the council maybe to acquire property to the up towards the back of the school for parking and for people collecting and letting yeah. off children. But I don't, I don't think there's been any progress on that either. I don't know, would Councillor Gilroy be aware of that? Uh, oh, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure he's aware of it, and we'll, we'll ask him just how aware he is <laughs> yeah. uh, very, very shortly. All right, OK, but, but the, the, the pressing issue, as far as you're concerned, and your capacity as chairperson of the cemetery is, is progress uh, yeah, on that. Yeah, progress in that area, and certainly I, we, as a member of the Board of Management of the school, we would like to see some progress as well on, on the whole area of traffic and yeah, it's funny and because the, parking and yeah, that. there's questions coming in relation to traffic at schools right across uh, this area. Uh, Rat Cormac mentioned several areas mentioned as well. Okay, Frank, thanks for coming in uh, this morning. Thank That's you for Frank Keelty, chairperson of the Hamlish uh, Cemetery Committee. Now uh, we were passing, or I was passing a, a, a green and white car on the way. Malash Abu, I think, was written on the green and white car on the way in, and it's been a weekend of celebrations for. Uh, St Malash Gales, the uh, Grange GA Club, uh, who won the Intermediate Championship at the weekend. There were great celebrations. Thomas Kilfather joins us, Secretary of the club. 
there were great celebrations, Thomas, and they're continuing, I think, as well, from what I'm seeing on social media. Yeah, there, there were, Nile, and in fairness, I suppose it was a case of third time lucky. It was, yeah. Um, we, we've lost, we had lost the last two finals, so to finally get over the line was great. Um, yeah, the lads have celebrated in style. Um, yeah. Uh, which they're entitled to do. Absolutely, but yeah. already I think their focus is turning to the Connacht uh, Intermediate Semi-Final where we play, I believe it's the, Gal- it's the Galway Champions right. um, in, in a few weeks' time. So I think tonight the boys are back at training. So Just said, yeah, that won't be easy, of course, as well. But, uh, I mean, what does it mean to a, to a club to win a championship, in this case the Intermediate Championship? Uh, it's, it's, I suppose, Niall, we, we're... For us, we've been a senior league club for a number of years, but we've, you know, we, we've never been able to really bridge that gap between intermediate and uh, senior. Um, we have, you know, we have a very young team. Um, we have six. We had six of the panel, the Sligo panel, in the under twenty championship yeah. this year. We've won two minor A championships in over the last four years. So we have been building for a number of years, but you have to be up playing with the best teams in the champ in the championship. You have to be playing senior football and you have to be playing senior championship. So at the third attempt to get over the intermediate um, and to get up into senior for 2023, it is, it is a big deal for us. You know? yeah. It's our sixth intermediate title. I, I think along with Giva now, we're the joint highest in, in, in those terms. But we want to be ter- looking now to trying to win a first ever senior championship. Is, is that that's your, that's your uh, aim already? Absolutely. Um, And and forgive my ignorance, have Grange never won a senior championship? We've never won a senior championship. Um, The the best ever was... Despite all the great players you had down the years. In 1978, uh, Grange reached a senior final where, not unbelievably, Torla Strand defeated us. Um, The great Torla Strand club, um, who we all sort of strive to emulate. Um, We had the Northern Gales club here in Cliffney. We had the Maharao club. But we were all, you know, generally we were playing junior or intermediate football. But since the amalgamation, um, you know, we've been building things very slowly. We've been working very hard at underage level. Um, and, you know, there's even things like taking inspiration from the likes of Mona. You know, you yeah, spoke to Iola yeah. earlier. Shamey yeah. Kyo, Christopher O'Donnell. Yeah. You know, well, the Olympic we, Village, that's what they call it now, yeah. And absolutely. So, look, we're building. Um, you know, we've... I think this year we have a record number of club members. We have almost 700 club members. Um, you know, we have a huge number of girls playing um, playing both football, um, hurling. And yeah. it's, you know, it, it is a good club at the moment. We, we are at, right at the heart of the community. We are building. Um, and what, we're, what we want to build too is to be one of the top clubs yeah. in Sligo. And generally, the intermediate team is a very young team, as you say. It was founded on on underage success, but they're they're a young team, aren't they? They are a very forward. young team, and um, I, 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 Jimmy Langan and his management team. We were saying that they had such a job trying to pick a starting fifteen last Sunday in the final because there was so much talent. There was so much talent yeah. there, and the fact that we were in the Junior A final on the same day, the, we did that twenty one years ago, as it happened, uh, and on that day we actually won both finals, but. It was a bit different this time because, again, in the Junior A final, there was a, it was generally young lads that have come through from underage. And, of course, the challenge now, as it is for every GA club, is to, to hold on to those young people, to, that they continue to participate, that they continue to be involved at senior level. And, you know, it's an ongoing process, as it is for every GA club. And, you know, we're, we, we have that goal there 
both for ladies and for men, is to be one of the top clubs in Sligo. Yeah, and of course you have that fantastic facility as well, the pitch on the main road. We have. Um, I think in the last 12 years between the pitch, uh, the clubhouse and our training pitch, we've invested almost a million euro. Have you? Not much, yeah. In the, yeah, yeah. When, when, when you add it all up. It's a huge investment. And a lot of that is raised locally as well, isn't it? Yeah, With you do get support some, of the community. You, yeah. you do get some grant assistance, Niall, but as you know yourself, you turn to the community uh, time and time again to help you deliver on these projects. And, um, of course, we have loans and we're paying them back and so on. But, yes, part of, of, of being a good club is having good facilities and attracting young people because, you know, there's the other sports, rugby, soccer, all of them, you know, they, they provide good facilities as well, so the GAA has to do the same as well if they want to keep attracting young people and keep them involved um, in their community, uh, in their club and in their sport. Yeah, that's not your green and white car, Thomas, in the way. Definitely not. <laughs> OK. Good luck in the, uh, in the Connacht Intermediate Championship and good luck in the senior ranks uh, as well. So it's all ahead of you. Thank you very much, Danny. Thanks very much. Thomas Kilfeller, who is secretary of the St. Malash Gales GA Club. We're going to take a break. We'll be joined by historian and author Joe McGowan in a couple of minutes here, live in Harrison's. Okay, welcome back to uh, Harrison's Bar and Restaurant in Cliffany. After 10, as I say, we'll have the councillors from the Sligo Drumcliffe electorate area in studio with us to uh, reflect on what they believe they've achieved over the past uh, three years and to take some questions from you, the public, and what they believe still needs to be done for this area. And it is a, a, a broad, wide geographic area, uh, that's for sure. Joe McGowan is our next guest, well-known author and historian from nearby Mullochmore. Uh, not that windy today in Mullochmore. It's sunny enough, you're, I think, today in Mullochmore. You're Joe. welcome to Cliffney and Niall. We're very close to the elements in Mullochmore. Yeah. Living right there on the sea. It's, uh, as you know, it's almost an island. And Mullochmore was actually an island one time. Yeah. And when you look at the topography of the land, that's not hard to understand. The tides used to come in at Cliffney and again from Bundoff. And people had to take their, their turf from the, uh, from the mountain bogs, from Clonarco and so on, by boat from a place called Dennis's Hill. Um, there is still a place in Mullochmore called Portnahorna, and which we grew up with. It's not marked in any map because yeah. a lot of this lore was handed down from one generation to another. And I, my uh, Irish is not good. And I was at a, a meeting in Sligo one time. There was a linguist, an expert in the Irish language. And I thought I'd stump him with Portnahorna. Of course, he was on top of it right away. It's called the Barley Port. So while, while those old stories are handed down and some people scoff at them that there's no truth in them, you know, when you investigate, there is corrobor- corroborative ev- evidence that, um, that those old stories weren't fair wrong. But uh, talking about the weather, yes, we, we, we're quite yeah. exposed to the elements. Yeah, you're going to tell us a little bit about the history. And when you say the history of this place, you mean this very place? I mean this right? very building. Um, this building in the early 1800s was owned by a, a man called Ned Foley. Um, it was a stop of the Biancani cars. Most of your listeners will have yeah. heard of the Biancani. Yeah. Then that, that, that was the early form of transport. And the Biancani cars ran from Sligo to Bondorn. This was one of their stops. The, um, I spent a lot of time, as you know, now you're talking to the old people and uh, lots of information. They say when an old man dies or an old woman dies, a library burns. Because much of the information they have, if people don't get to them to take down what they have to say, yeah. and that applies for every part of County Sligo. So who, was, who was Ned Foley then? We, we know very little about him except his name. 
yeah. I, I'm not even sure that if I'm sure there could be some legal documents if they were locked up, we could find out more about him. But we know very little about him. Um, ownership of Ned Foley's changed to Brennan's when Hen- Henry Brennan, he was a nephew of. Um, he was a nephew of Father Malachy Brennan, and he married Ned Foley's daughter, and he came into ownership. Yeah. Um, he came back from America, so it's back even in those days. Anybody coming back from America had a bit of money, and not too many people did come back. But he, he married into the business, and he became, he's, he's very well recorded after that in the documents. He was an active land leaguer and um, fighting against the landers all the time for tenants' rights and so on. But of course, he was in trouble. He was in and out of jail. I uh, had a quick look uh, last night at, at some of my own records and he was Keeper of the Inn in Cliffney in 1879. Of course, 1880 would be the time of Michael Davitt and the Land League. Yeah. Um, people were always uh, uh, striving for freedom and when they couldn't get that, they wanted as good of a deal as they could get from the landlords. Um, Henry Brennan's name is attached to a m- memorial from the Sligo tenants of Evelyn Ashley. Ashley would have been of the owners, one of the owners of Castleborn Castle, and he was asking for an abatement of rent. That was in the 10th of October, 1886. Henry Brennan, uh, on October uh, 1886 again, is uh, just out from jail and is likely to be sent back and will lose his licence. So the, the, yeah. the place was a licensed premises at that time. Uh, again, 1882, letter from Henry Brennan to Evelyn Ashley concerning allegations against Ashley's gamekeeper, George Barker. George, George Barker's name has lived on notoriety, as many landlords agents did over the years. Um, apparently, uh, Barker shot the, uh, the puppy belonging to uh, Hugh O'Neill, and um, he, he was slated for that, but he wasn't uh, very much liked anyway. There is a great story attached to this place here, uh, during that time, it's, it's full of history. You could do a, a whole program practically on this building, but certainly in the Cliffney area, it, it was a hotspot for, for rebellion and, and activism over the years. Mm. But one of the stories associated with here that was told to me by, um, by the old people back years ago concerns, um, uh, it concerns a Pat Hayes. He was known as the Red Fox. He... Um, was behind on his rent down in Tipperary. When he went in to plead with the landlord for an abatement in the rent, the landlord wasn't having any of it. He said, look, you're, you're a wealthy man, you can well afford it. And he said, well, I can't. And the, when the debate got up, um, eventually, when there was no softness coming from the landlord, um, he is, uh, pulled out a pistol and he says, well, this will have to do. And he shot the landlord he dead. Shot the landlord. He shot the landlord dead which wouldn't be unusual all over Ireland, and particularly in Tipperary, it was uh, pretty much a rebel county. Okay, so uh, the Red Fox, what did he do then, go on the run or something? Well, the Red Fox then had to go on the run, and he finished up here in this particular place. In Cliffany? In Cliffany, yes. Uh, It's a a long way, and of course transport uh, wouldn't have been very good at that time. But he made, his, uh, he made his way, I suppose, from safe house to safe house in various places. Because the Land League would have been active at that time. And the landlords uh, weren't anybody's favourite, shall we say. So uh, people were, were pleased to hide him for a while. He, he kept moving uh, ahead of the, of the police and the, the soldiers that were looking yeah. for him. So he couldn't stay in one place very long. Eventually he came here and... Um, he, he was kept here in this, of course, being a stop. It had horses for the yeah. Bianconi cars. 
and a hayloft. As, as a safe house, so that's where he As was. a safe house, yeah. indeed. But n- not alone was he kept here, but he was also kept in a place across the road which had a licence up until recently yeah. called Dunleavy's. And Pat Dunleavy was an own land leaguer. So as I said, this was a, a hotbed of activism okay. all down through the years. I, I, I'm, I'm tempted to ask, is his family still around or whatever he happened to the Red Fox? Or no, no we, we don't know. What we do know is that there was a Captain Conway um, was captain of a ship in Sligo. And uh, eventually, moving from house to house, he had to get out of this area as well. Yeah. And we're told that he was smuggled out by a local man in a cart of turf. Now, I suppose young people today wouldn't know what a cart of turf was, but we're talking about horse and airstrong conveyances. So he would have been placed on the cart and the turf built around him. He would have been in the middle of that. All right, okay. So, that was the, the Red Fox, all the way from Tipperary. All the way from w- Tipperary. He, he, he escaped. He, he went on a ship uh, out to America from Rockley. Yeah. But there's a curious twist to the tale at the end because it happened that the employment that he got was from a man the name of Bell. And uh, the verse survives, and it was told to me by Dan Gilmerton of Ballantelic, uh, a great historian in his time. And this is the, the rhyme uh, which tells the whole story of how he finished up. And it's a dollar a day, it is my pay, my master likes me well. But little he knows that I'm the man that shot old Captain Bell. So he, he finished up in the employment of the son of the man that he shot. Will you tell us quickly about uh, St. Bridget's Well and the significance of that, which is just down the road as well, Joe, isn't that right? It's, it's not so far, so it's, it's just the a couple well. of stones throw away from here. Yes, it's a very famous well. One of the remarkable things about it is that there's a stone there which has a, a swastika on it. Of course, as we know, St. Bridget's... A swastika? Um, a swastika, on yes. On the stone? Uh, on the stone, Yes, which is rather surprising because people today associate the swastika with the, with the Nazis and, and the, the aspirations that they had and the Third Reich and all that sort of thing. But actually they hijacked the swastika because the swastika uh, is actually something that goes back thousands of years. Yeah. And, and it's the symbol of peace and prosperity and good health and everything like that. But of course the, uh, the Nazis uh, turned that around. Uh, again, it, uh, in, in Ireland, it, it represents also the sun um, uh, with, with the arms and, and the sun, the, the radiance of the sun. Mm. But uh, it, it was associated with Cliffney as well. Back around 1820, there was um, pilgrimages to Holy Wells when it was an age of faith and people went to Holy Wells all over. Cliffney was no exception. And in Cliffney Village here, there was a huge fair held on St. Bridget's Day once a year when uh, cattle were bought and sold, turkeys, hens, all the farm produce. So it was a, it was a great day. After the, the fair and the celebrations, then they would all go down to St. Bridget's Well and um, do the rounds and say yeah. the prayers and, and so on and so forth. So um, it, it, it's, a, it's, it, it's interesting that that was another, uh, another curious incident happened which was related to St. Bridget's Well. And people still go to St. Bridget's Well, but not so much as they used to, and it's on private land as well, yeah. w- which is somewhat of a problem. Um, there's it's a story. It's still there. Oh, it's still there. Yeah. It's still there, and people go to it from time to time, as, even though it's rather difficult of access. But one of the stories associated with the well is that there was an, uh, um, a blacksmith the name of McGarrigal lived in the village. Yeah. And he was woken out of his slumbers one night at two or three in the morning, and there were horsemen outside. And this horseman asked him if he would shoe a horse, which was a strange request at two or three in the morning. 
So he got up. It wasn't an unusual thing to happen. So he was getting on with his work, shoeing the horse for the man, and um, curious about where, where, where he was going at that hour of the night. So he said, uh, uh, explained that he was going to a battle yeah. in Donegal. And, uh, of course, the conversation got up about the battle and why the battle was being held and so on. And uh, then uh, this gentleman said, look, i tell you what I'll do. On our way back, if we, if we win the battle, uh, I'll come in and let you know how we got on. If uh, we don't win the battle, and that's quite possible as well, he says, go to St. Bridges Well. And in the middle of the night, at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, you will see that the water in the well and all the wells and drains around there will be blood red. So it was a strange visitation. Afterwards, yes. he did go out and he did see that the, the, the well in St. Brid- the water in St. Bridges Well was indeed blood red. So we can take it that those people were killed and yeah. they didn't come back. And St. Bridges Well is still there today. All right, OK. Uh, Joe, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming in this morning. Also, and you're still writing away, Joe. You, you're doing anything at the moment? Well, you never stop, really. If yeah. I pick up a book to read it, and I do enjoy reading books, any yeah. book that I ever have in my hand, you will always tell it was me because I have all kinds of notes made in the back. All so right, research okay. is ongoing. And, um, so we can I, see I, a new publication soon, so... Well, it, it takes years uh, to do the research yeah. and uh, trips to Dublin and Galway and so on. So it, um, I expect it'll be, take a couple of years anyway. So if the head holds good for the next well, two I'm or sure three we'll years, we look forward to, to that publication. And thank right. you for thank inviting th- me to thanks speak. A, thanks a lot, Joe. Always a, a mine of information. Um, Jimmy Currid was supposed to be a guest with us this morning because Jimmy uh, cycled to and climbed Croke Patrick a couple of weeks ago uh, for a number of uh, causes, including uh, cancer charity. But unfortunately, he took ill this morning. He can't. He can't make it. But we'll get Jimmy again in again sometime. I want to talk to our next guest briefly before. Uh, the break. John Waters joins us. John, good morning to you, and uh, uh, thanks for joining us. You're you're well involved and have been involved in politics for many years. Um, you, you wanted to mention there's been a campaign for a proper sewage system here oh, in this wa- North Sloan. There was yes, back. I tell you, there was a big meeting. Sorry, yeah. yeah. There was a big meeting in the hall back, back in I think it in, in the in the mid seventies and and for a graveyard and all the people were in it. So the the council bought a field up the church road there yeah. and uh, d- there's no way, way they were going to get a graveyard because they're all again now when you hear a fella saying he, he rise in the morning and he, he see a, a name of his loved ones and a headstone now I don't know uh, we're looking for a graveyard now and, 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 and it'd be handy to have the place but still and all there's, there's great families living in that field now and, and I can take credit, a lot of credit for that myself because at that meeting, the meeting, it was full. The hall was full. Because it, I never saw as many people were out the door. And, 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 and it was rejected, the graveyard at the time. Mm. So I stood up in the hall and I says, says to them, now I says, the council have a field. And as it is, then we can build two houses in it with septic tanks. And I said, what we want in this village is a, a public sewer. Oh, be God. Some of the people thought it was mad. And I, was, I, I asked certain councillors to put an agenda they didn't do it. I went into Sligo and I met John Fallon, John Fallon, he was a friend of my ours. And uh, I spoke to him and he said he, he would put on the, on the agenda and really said he'd have to get someone to second it. So I went to Hugh and Henry and I was talking to Hugh and Henry, Hugh and Henry came from Kulani and he said that he could second it right, but he, they were looking for a sewer in Kulani at the same time. So we got, anyways, we got the sewer 
we got the we got it through the council and and then the local councillors they were kind of hemming and hawing because they didn't want to follow with their neighbours who were afraid to lose votes over it. They decided anyways they back it and we got the source started. And, right. and, uh, it and just that was a major achievement. Oh, it was a major and that, that job was done was done by Sligo County Council. Yeah. And the man today there last week was driving the machine on it was Sharon says Patrick. He, yeah. he 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 done the digging for it. And then then we got a it wasn't nearly an objection to it again. And it was in the, I was in the hall doing a steward for a farmer standing in a fair dance. And Mark Hannish run the dances. And this certain man, oh, and he thought he was important. He came to me and he says, you want to, you do a bit of a stammer at the time. And I would, some people might know who he is, but I was, he's long gone, he's gone in a few years. He wants me to call a meeting about the, about the sewer, do you know? And I says, what's wrong? He says, they're putting the, they're putting the, what do you call it, the treatment plant down the holla beside the river. And I says, I says to him, look at I says to him, I never saw a treatment plant on top of a hill yet and I'd be calling no a meeting. I says, the money is there, I says, and if it, if, it's, if there's a meeting on it, the whole money will be shifted to some other place and you might never see a sore for another 15 years. All right, so, okay. So that was off a time. All right, and you ran for local elections in 1979 and all. All right, okay, we better take a break. Uh, this person says, great to listen to Joe McGowan uh, this morning as ever on your show. Lots of questions coming the way of the councillors. Um, people want to know their views on the recent controversy over the bridge in Grange. Uh, a lot of um, texts coming in about uh, schools and accidents waiting to happen at schools in relation to traffic dropping off kids and that, and we'll get to some of those issues after 10. The uh, councillors, as I say, from the Sligo Drumcliffe electoral area will join us after 10, after our 10, o- 10 o'clock news with John, which is coming your way now. Right, OK, welcome back. We're broadcasting live. It is uh, 40 minutes past 10, broadcasting live from Harrison's Bar and Restaurant in Cliffany this morning. Um, four of the five councillors who represent the Sligo Drumcliffe electoral area are with us in studio this morning as we ask them what they believe they've done for the region over the past uh, three years and to put them the issues of concern uh, from those living in this municipal district and there are lots of them coming in yesterday and again this morning with us this morning are councillor thomas walsh and tom fox of fina gale uh, fina falls councillor donald gilroy and Sinn Féin councillor thomas healy uh, independent councillor marie cassery sends her apologies this morning she can't attend due to work commitments uh, before we begin uh, gentlemen uh, a quick reminder let's rewind to 2019 uh, during our Sligo Drumcliffe electoral area debate uh, and a quick reminder of what um, our councillors this morning had to say back then and what their priorities would be if elected. I'm one of the youngest candidates out of all 11 uh, up here on the stage, uh, the most energetic and I have the, probably the most national experience uh, in politics um, of all 11. So my agenda is clear, uh, let's grow Sligo into a better place to live and work uh, together. If elected to Sligo County Council, I will prioritise issues such as broadband in North Sligo, the creation of jobs, the rejuvenation of rural communities, supporting the agricultural sector, expanding tourism and helping every constituent and local group in the area to access their entitlements and relevant state funding. For the last five years I have proudly represented you on Sligo County Council. I am asking for your number one vote again on the 24th of May so I can continue to deliver local, regional and national projects for Sligo and the North West. My vision is to create sustainable, vibrant living communities in an environmentally friendly region that sustains agriculture and rural living for future generations. Over the past five years I've delivered for my constituency on roads, footpaths, housing, schools, 
post offices, water services and road safety. I believe in equality for all and my actions prove that. Uh, Thomas Walsh, you're still the youngest, I think. (laughs) That's not going to change, (laughs) Um, I hope. Has your energy diminished some anyway, shape or form, since 2019? You you pointed out then how energetic you were, you felt that was going to stand to you. Uh, Absolutely not, Niall, I suppose. Um, As you say, uh, 2019 was my uh, first election to ever run in. Uh, Feels like many, many years ago. Um, I've ran in a general election since. Um, but uh, no, uh, my I would say my energy levels have probably uh, increased. <laughs> I hope, yeah. uh, uh, and I like what I do. Uh, I love what I do. I like representing people, meeting people, uh, and representing people uh, on a daily basis. Uh, and I think that's what we all do in Sligo Drumcliffe and in Sligo County Council. Uh, we all do our best for the people uh, of the county to improve uh, facilities, to improve services uh, and to make better people's lives insofar as we can within the local authority. Right, they were just, uh, a short, they were just short clips we picked out of that debate. Uh, Donald Gilroy, you wanted to make uh, your region uh, a sustainable place to live, a rural community, an agricultural community. Do you think... What you've done has helped to achieve that in the past few years. Yeah, some of the things have definitely, you know, gone right. I'm, I'm a bit of a, you know, I, I have a constant nag in them at the council to get, to get things, uh, get things for our area. Um, I feel that there's a bit of an imbalance on the urban rural thing. That you know, money and projects go to the town area that should, that should come to our area more often. And the, sometimes we don't get our fair share. So I'm constantly fighting for that one. Um, when you get in, things change very, very quickly and you find that, you know, there's there's issues coming at you mm. every day, every week, decisions to be made. Um, we can only work with what comes before us, but we, we can influence what comes before us as well and, and ensure that the important issues, the important issues to us and our constituents, and I think we all do that, um, the whole... The whole area here—it's—it's yeah. it's, it's such a diverse constituency. Our one that it's, it stretches it south of the river and north yeah. of the river. It's like two separate areas. So we're talking uh, Ross's Point, Kaluni, Ballygally, Rathcormac—huge areas, we know geographically. Yeah. Tom, you mentioned a lot uh, there. What you were going to do: improve broadband, creation of jobs, uh, rejuvenation of rural communities. Have you have you achieved any of that? Do you think over the past couple of years? Well, I or helped to. Good morning, Nyland. Good morning to you. Thanks for the opportunity here to speak this morning. Uh, it's great to be broadcasting live here from Harrison's here in Cliffney. It's a, it's a great example to the business community throughout the county. And well done to the Harrison family and all involved in it. Um, look at this. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a typical example of what, I'm, uh, uh, what, I'm, what I promised uh, in terms of job creation. You know, these people have worked hard throughout their lives. And it's a great example. And that's what's needed in the county, throughout the county, to do that. It takes yeah. great people to do that. It's not always about money, it's about courage, and it's a great example of showing that to the public, you know. Um, there are many very successful businesses in the town, uh, in, in the county, and throughout North Sligo, and throughout the municipal district. And we are here, you know, we work as a team here on the council, as chair of the Sligo Drumcliffe Municipal District. We work together in supporting business, business communities, and uh, that's what should be done. And um, funds should be allocated to make, to make sure that these businesses are, are, are survive what's going on. There's a lot of turbulence going on at the moment, and, you know, we have to... Press on and and be confident and move forward, and uh, that's uh, we, a lot of the businesses are doing that, and it's great to see it. 
Uh, Thomas Healy, you outlined five or uh, three years ago uh, some of the bread and butter issues which you had dealt with in the council period before that. Are still are they still the main issues coming uh, up? Do you think? Good morning, Niall, to you and your listeners. Uh, I just want to also, on behalf of myself and the other councillors, uh, think of the people in Crishla this yeah. morning mm-hmm. and pass on our sympathies to them families. As says, we're we're just after coming from signing a book, a condolence books there in Sligo, and I ask people to go down and sign that and give our support to them and look at just like the people of Krishla we're here in Cliffney today does mean a community area which is very strong community activists and things like that uh, in relation to the last few years what I've been doing I'm suppose compared to the, my other three colleagues here uh, I sat on the council in Sligo as well uh, when it was a 10 seater and then we yeah. had uh, in 2019 that was reduced down to a 5 seater so we're in a different area uh, but it's a large Urb, uh, it's a large rural and urban area that we're involved in. Uh, listen, over the last few years, I have done my very best to represent the people that have put their faith in me. And as I says, any issues that's there, we have addressed it and we're, we're continue to address it. Right, 071-911-8104 is our number to call this morning. Should you want any issues raised, you can text our WhatsApp now to 083-3500-530. And I can tell you there's all sorts of questions coming in from potholes in Glenif to one-way traffic systems in Caluni to school transport difficulties right across the region. But we started, I think, with the, not only a Hamlish graveyard, but I think Ross's point as well is cropping up in some texts. And we had Frank Keelty in later. Don Gilroy, what's happening with the Hamlish graveyard situation? Okay, well, look, it's a very sensitive issue because when you're talking about purchasing land from individuals yeah. or using land, um, we we met here in Cliffany and, and my three colleagues that are here beside me attended a, a meeting, a public meeting back here in the October after we were elected. And it led to a good community group being set up here. But the, the number one priority for the community was to get a new graveyard. And we also all attended a meeting in Ross's Point with the residents. Now, Councillor Fox here beside me and myself went out and had a meeting with the landowner out there and we've opened up a, a channel of communications with the council and that's as much as I want to say on it because yeah, okay. it is private to, it's, it's private to these people and we have to respect them. Right. The same here um, uh, Frank mentioned a couple of sites there alongside the, the entrance to the existing graveyard in Grange and Unfortunately, um, one side of the of the road on the way in has a, a drain running through it, so that wouldn't be suitable. The, it's into a, too close to a water course. The other side with the trees, um, which is is I thought would be a perfect site. Unfortunately, um, the, by the time you take out the trees, there's as much roots below the ground as there is trees above it, and it really just would not be feasible okay. to do it. So I, I've looked at these with the engineers. I did a report up last year, eight-page report to the Director of Services on what I thought the options were, and they are working their way through those. Um, I believe, uh, I, I truly believe that within the next three months we will have positive news on at least one, if not both, of these graveyards. All right, OK. Uh, Thomas Walsh, do you have any thoughts on that? Ross's point as well has been mentioned. There's yeah, a, absolutely. Look at there. Uh, Niall, I want to echo everything do, uh, Councillor Gilroy has said. It's the number one issue in North Sligo. Um, we've attended a uh, number of meetings. I, I've been in a Hamlet a number of times myself. Uh, you know, I've had people contact me where they had to, um, 
where they had to put water uh, out of um, uh, out of uh, funerals, incoming funerals. It's not acceptable, uh, and it's something that we have to deliver on, not only as a group of councillors, but as a local authority. And um, there are um, talks, as Councillor Gilroy, ongoing. Um, you know, people think at times that uh, councillors of the local authority can bulldoze their way in uh, and just make a graveyard. That isn't the case. Um, you know, there are a number of processes involved, yeah. planning, uh, and that's lengthy. Uh, and people, people's land it is people's land. Uh, and, you know, there is a dialogue that we have to go through. Um, uh, and it is painfully slow. Uh, and we all acknowledge that. But uh, as Councillor Gilroy uh, has stated, there are sensitivities. And uh, I'm confident um, that we are making progress on that. I seconded a motion from Councillor Gilroy um, last year in relation um, two graveyards and the provision of grave, graveyards in North Sligo that will be kept on the agenda um, if, if things don't work out uh, and uh, hopefully that we will deliver on that uh, in the coming months. Right, okay. And if you want to, yeah. Thomas Healy, on the, on the graveyard issue. Yeah, well, listen, Niall, it is an issue down here, um, and as I suppose what Sligo County Council asked the councillors to do themselves was uh, family land came available that they'd bring it to the attention of the council. Uh, just up the road here between the two villages, I brought uh, 10 acres of ground to the attention of the council. Uh, there was a motion on it, and we were told by the Director of Services that they were going to look into that, uh, and we're still waiting back from that. But... Um, what we have as well, and I don't think a lot of people know it in the Grange area, that back in 2002, that there was 13 acres bought in the centre of the village at a price of €1 million. Euro. That's sitting right in the middle of, 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 of Grange. And what I've put a proposal forward in the, at the next council meeting is to find out exactly what are we doing with this, what are we doing with this ground. Like, at the moment, it's only used for grazing. Um, I did contact the housing department and I'm aware that uh, there will be a submission put in for the delivery of houses in 2026 for 15 dwelling houses. But there's a lot of that ground that could be used for a graveyard. So, as I says, I'm putting that proposal forward to see exactly where we are and what we are. And as well as that, if the local authority has land there, it's mm. important that we use it. And if it's a case that we can't use that land, surely we could, we could sell part of that land to then maybe go out and look for to buy land for somewhere else. Because, as I says, when I did ask the council about that 10 acres of ground, they told me that... Uh, the amount of money that they were looking for at the Burton in the situation to pay out that money. So, I yeah. mean, we can't be going looking for land or asking for land if we're not willing to pay for okay. it. Okay, all right. Tom Fox, on, on the graveyard issue. Yeah, um, Niall, yeah. Look, I attended those meetings with uh, Councillor Gilroy on behalf of all of the councillors, and um, Donald Gilroy and myself um, attended those meetings. And look, at I echo what has been already said here by Councillor Walsh. We're doing our best to address uh, these very delicate issues. There are very emotive issues, that, you know, graveyards are uh, an emotive issue and uh, the council officials have been working very hard to try to come to some arrangement on it so look at we're letting them deal with it and to 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 to, to deal with the people who are, are the landowners there's yeah. um it's it's it can be uh, a difficult situation to um to come to a final conclusion on but hopefully we can come to an agreement on it okay. and uh, in the near future all right there, there's all sorts of questions coming in in relation to the the traffic uh, a bypass of the n15 what is that's what's needed. What is the situation with that? And lots and lots of texts in about the difficulty with traffic at, at schools in the area, namely St Mary's School, Ballasadere, uh, safety at the school here in Cliffany, Rack Cormac School has been mentioned as well. Uh, Thomas Walsh, you're aware of these issues. Uh, yeah, uh, 
Absolutely, Niall. Uh, in relation to St Mary's, um, my understanding is works are being completed in the next number of days in relation to that piece of footpath which we have fought for for so long from Carrickneagat back into Badassadir. It's been funded under active travel. That's phase one of a two-phase project. Uh, phase two will be going to tender in the next number of weeks at that final design stage from Carrickneagat to Quigley's Pub in Caluny. It's been talked about for a long time uh, and I'm delighted uh, that there will be a footpath in place the whole way into Caluny. In fact, we will be extending that to the train station back into Ballastadere on direct of travel. Uh, that has led to a backlog of traffic at St Mary's in the morning uh, due to traffic lights. It was very wet this week. The contractor had hoped, had hoped to pour concrete, wasn't in a position to do so for the, because of the weather, but they were hoping to complete that job uh, in the next number of days. The N15, the N17, huge, two yeah. huge pieces of infrastructure that are needed to be upgraded. But, but not uh, much progress in the past three years on either, has there been? Well, I wouldn't say that. The N17, uh, we're at uh, feasibility options in terms of um, route selection. Um, we're going to be narrowing that down uh, to one in the very near future. There has been a huge uh, level of work done on the N17. Uh, there, are, uh, there is a team in place that has been heavily funded in terms of uh, bringing it to the next stage and the next phase. Uh, and that's certainly uh, forming part of our county development plan that will be going forward. The N15, we're all aware of the number of accidents that has yeah. taken place this year, last year, the year before. Uh, and it's certainly something that we have to address in the bigger picture at national level. OK. Anybody else in the schools, uh, Tom, on the school situation and the traffic yeah. problems in general? Yes, Niall. Um, look, at infrastructure is always an issue in the, in, uh, in, in the council chamber. Um, I think one of the um, most important things um, for Sligo at the moment, North Sligo especially, is the N15 um, for the overall review of that. I've been calling for the overall review of that. There's been many fatal accidents on that road over the years. Yeah. Families being torn apart with fatal accidents and, you know, there's... There, there are a number of very dangerous junctions that need to be uh, addressed and, uh, you know, they need to be looked at and um, in the, in, immediately. It's, it's, very, it's urgent that it's dealt with immediately because um, it'll, it'll, it'll help to avoid uh, accidents. I think another very important project for North Sligo is the N16 um, mm. for cross-border trade there. It's, you know, it's gone to tender. Um, we've been pushing for that. We've tabled various motions on that. It's a very important infrastructural project for, for Sligo as a whole. And um, you know it, it's 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 um, it's one of the um, one of the busiest roads there into Northern Ireland, and we we, we rely on that. Sligo okay. relies on that for um, All right. cross border trade. Okay, uh, Councillor Gilroy on on the traffic yeah. situation, there, the and again, N fifteen bypass is coming up, and the N fifteen bypass is there going to be a bypass? They want uh, to. None of us will be councillors when the N fifteen bypass starts. I can guarantee that, including my youngest, fittest colleague here to my right, um, who who loves cycling on new roads when they open up. He was shown not to be the fittest. But uh, um, look, at a little bit of good news. Um, In the last couple of days, we've got to the stage of deciding where we're getting traffic uh, activated, speed activated traffic signs for Cliffany Village here. And I have to commend the children from Cliffany School who raised this as one of the needs. Um, I was just talking to Declan there about it and where the actual location of the signs would be. Uh, We've got the funding in place for that and I'm very confident that they're going to be in place before Christmas. Um, They're going hell for leather at the moment to get those in and uh, the money has to be spent before the end of this year. So that's a positive. The other schools will start looking for them then and we'll work with them to get that as well. All right, Thomas Heaney, you're aware of 
the concerns that parents have in some of these areas at schools. Yeah, there, and look, at uh, it's a major issue around schools, traffic coming to schools and that, but I suppose we could relieve some of the problems if kids were able to get on buses to travel to schools. That could relieve a lot of uh, carers turning up at schools and things like that. Uh, the issue in Ballastadair at the moment, I'm working with some of the students there. Uh, uh, I have to get back to them. I was speaking to them just before Christmas, or before I went on holidays there, uh, in relation to a number of the issues uh, around traffic, around Ballastadair. We need a yellow box outside the school itself. Uh, mm. The entrance is blocked there, uh, coming in and out of the school. Uh, we're still looking for a pedestrian cross, crossings in Ballastadair. We've done all the public consultation and everything like that. We're waiting for TII to come back with the funding. In relation to the road, bet- the footpath between Colony and Ballastadair, that's a reinstatement of that footpath. That okay. footpath was always there. And uh, listen, moving forward... Uh, we hear here the traffic outside this door. Yeah, the speed can. of it up and down. Yeah. Does mean every yeah. town and village is affected by it? In Colonia ourselves, we had the in four there that was constructed and divided our village in half. We're still fighting there, and we have a bit of progress on a pedestrian crossing happening there, or a, 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 a crossover, and it was a safe crossover for the people of Colonia and yeah. surrounding areas. Okay, uh, this person says, "Good morning, Ocean." As a matter of urgency, the crossroads at Gorvan's pub needs proper signage. I've witnessed cars coming out of Mullochmore and not stopping straight through heading towards Ballantrellic there will be more fatalities if that's not taken care of the councillor should get it sorted as soon as possible Um, I was away when this happened uh, and you're the experts on this particular um, issue but it's it's cropping up this morning I'll read out one text how could these councillors get it so wrong regarding the bridge and Grange it's embarrassing what happened Councillor Gillerow you remind us of the situation in Grange and what was planned outside the school this was in July. Yeah. Um, I put forward a proposal back in early 2020. I remember discussing it with my my predecessor, uh, Patsy Barry, because I know he was he was very, uh, very, very pushy for it. He, he, it was something he had long wished to get uh, done. And um, I put forward a proposal that a, a footbridge would be put outside the existing bridge. Yeah. Um, they came back to us all. Every one of us was told uh, back in April that there was uh, this alternative plan under the Act of Travel. They got funding and they were putting a thing on the inside. Now, yeah. I went on, I think it was with Harry at the time and yeah. on your own programme. But, you know, it, it, uh, nobody, nobody made any big deal about it when I did. And I know that um, Councillor Casserly put it up on her social media page. And there was a few comments on that. And... Uh, it then seemed to blow out of all proportion when they started the work. And um, unfortunately, it is a, there is dangers. There's parents who are concerned about the dangers and they yeah. have legitimate concerns. And there are people who are concerned about the delays that that project would have called. I thought when I put it out on the most listened to radio station in the region, I thought I would uh, get comments if there was anyone had a major problem with it. But when, the, when, when, it, when it all blew up, people said, oh, well, we don't listen to that. So um, you, you can't win, you know, you could try 40 okay. different types of media and, and still people yeah, would say so they that's, didn't it's, it's not going ahead, it won't go ahead now. We don't know what's going to happen. Okay. They're, doing a review, they're doing a review of it, but I think what has to be looked at, and to be fair, when, when an engineer is given a, 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 a brief to design something, he's given it a brief to design between point A and point B, okay. and sometimes they don't look at what happens further on out the road from that, and I fully accept that. And perhaps that's where the problem was. His brief was a little bit too narrow. Okay, but uh, that's uh, the way on it. Thomas Ely, you had you you I think organised a public meeting uh, down there at the time, did you not? 
did, uh, Niall. And first of all, uh, like Councillor Gilroy is right, all the councillors received uh, the drones and the material that was going to happen back in April. Uh, it was up to us as councillors that was from the area to make sure that everyone was informed. Uh, I was got notification from a number of people asking me to attend, come down to look at the, the work that was happening and their concerns about it. I landed down and I wasn't that long on the bridge when about 15 people stopped me and got out of cares and says, what's going on here? How come we were never informed? And the most disappointing thing was the people that lived right beside the project were only told on the Sunday evening that the work was starting on the Monday. Mm. So that's where the confusion came out of. I rang the council and I talked to the director of service and I highlighted my concerns with it. I asked could the work be put off until we talked to a number of the people, until we addressed uh, the concerns that they had. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. I then said to them that what I was going to do was going to call a public meeting and invite, and all the councillors here were invited to it. Yeah, all councillors here were asked to attend. Did they turn up? Uh, Councillor Gilroy and Councillor Fox did turn up. Councillor Walsh and Councillor Cassidy uh, didn't turn up, but didn't send their apologies either, so I wasn't able to give out their apologies in the night. Uh, out of that meeting, there was a proposal. And... Uh, just to get one fact right, um, uh, which was very unusual, I was asked to make sure at, at the meeting that I would produce an attendance sheet and also that I would be, uh, would follow up then with the concerns of the people. So we did produce an attendance sheet. There was 125 people at the meeting. Mm. Uh, out of that, we uh, I asked the people in the room. First question I put them, the two colleagues here was uh, made their introductions and had their say, and we listened to the floor. Uh, there was two two uh, speakers given. One, you're only allowed to talk when you had a, a, a speaker in your, or a, a microphone in your hand. And uh, so we got the views of the people. And out of that, there was three proposals put forward. And them three proposals were brought back to the council. Okay. And them three proposals were one, that we'd look for the bridge inside the wall, which they wanted yeah. from the very beginning. The second one was that the footpath wouldn't go ahead. And the third one was, in the in, in term, that they put down a painted footpath which would be like a pedestrian. Yeah. Uh, so wh- yeah, so where are we now in relation to Where that? are we now? It's, it's, this should never have happened. Uh, the Sligo County Council and, and the councillors, we should all work together on this. Okay. And uh, where we are now is that we have a community that feel let down by Sligo County Council and that we haven't done our job right. And okay. I think that uh, moving uh, on, there is a committee down there and they are willing to work. And I think that we all should be working in the, in the back okay. end. Okay, all people. right. Councillor Walsh and, and then Councillor Fox on this. Yeah, look, Niall, um, I want to, um, I suppose active travel is a scheme that's been funded nationally. This was an active travel piece of work. We funded yeah. four staff within the local authority here in Sligo uh, to improve our footpaths. We're, we're seeing work taking place all over the county and we will see a number of projects which have been outlined for this year and next year take place. Ballastadair, Tulluni being one of them. This piece of work that has taken place in, in Grange, um, it's a very short piece of footpath. Um, small monies involved in the region of between I think twenty five to thirty thousand my understanding. Um I have had extensive um, conversations with the active travel team and the senior engineer team on this. Obviously a number of people aren't happy with the particular project. We now have a position where the project is half complete. It's yeah. neither here nor there. Uh, and uh, we were at the Sligo Drum Cliff meeting. Uh, four of the councillors, uh, myself, Councillor Gilroy, Councillor Fox, Councillor Castley, we've discussed this uh, at length at the meeting. It was the first meeting actually, uh, Drum Cliff meeting held in Ballantour outside the the, the council chamber 
Uh, and I what we've how we have left that is that the engineering team are now looking at a bigger overall design of pedestrian access in um, Grange Village. My understanding is that they had a meeting this week uh, on the matter yeah. and that they're looking at bringing in a consultant to do an overarching plan of okay. Grange so Village. So more, in more to- consultation in, needed, In totality, instead of doing an isolated piece of work, there needs to be an overarching plan with a, a big consultation-led process in relation to Grange. And Grange isn't like every other village, uh, likewise here in Cliffany, because the National Road is going through it, which brings in the NTA okay. uh, and... Um, Infrastructure Ireland uh, into the negotiations. Sligo County Council do not have the overall say uh, in relation to funding, in relation to design and in relation of the provision uh, of access, pedestrian crossings and footpaths. There are other state agencies involved. There is a process and in relation to that public meeting uh, just to come back on a point that was made it will be very well known that I was coordinating a festival for three and a half thousand people uh, that particular week. Uh, Very well known. Councillor Fox, where did you stand on that, that issue? And again, it was a contentious issue yes, to a degree at the time. Very contentious yeah. issue. I was at the, meet, at the meeting in Grange Hall that evening and addressed yeah. the, the public there that evening along with Councillor Gilroy and Councillor Healy. Look at its um, very delicate situation again. And as chair of the Sligo Duncliffe Municipal District, I think it's important that we work together as a team here, as councillors. Yeah. And, and will, will, you, will you do that? You will. We you? will well, I'll be, I'll be working to pull the, the team together there and come to some arrangement on that. Because it's a, it's a, very, it's, it's a small issue, but it's a very important issue. And, you know, we as public representatives should, um, you know, we have the TII and all these, these national agencies involved here, but we as public representatives should, be, should, should make the point clear to those uh, organ- agencies that this is, a, is, is an important, uh, important issue for the community in Grange. And um, look, at, we need more public consultation and we need yeah. to work towards that and work towards um, getting the issue resolved uh, along with the council okay. officials. Lots of questions coming in. Please, please find a room in Maharao for the elderly people to meet. The HSE have closed the door on us. Uh, someone else says uh, speed reduction around schools is the most critical issue in this particular area. Any update on daycare services? for the elderly uh, in general. Anybody want to tell Donald Gilroy? Yeah, well, um, I would hope that by by Monday morning at the latest, um, I would say this afternoon, I'm, I'm attending a meeting with the HSE and I hope that there's going to be the green flag on opening the service for the old elderly here in Cliffney. Yeah. Um, which will be moving to the to the parochial hall because the centre here is not uh, no longer fit for purpose. Um, the same with Carrigans and Maharao, the same problem. Unfortunately, again, a deal has been done. In uh, um, uh, the the hall has been looked at, and the other hall at the at the Church of Ireland, uh, they've both been looked at. Yeah. And a plan is coming to place, coming okay. into place there. So those two, uh, you're, you're the, the so. Cliffney uh, one should be very soon, and the Maharao uh, one. Anybody else want to respond on, on those? Tom, Tom yeah, Fox. Yes, it's a very uh, again, it's a very important issue, the care of our elderly, and uh, throughout. The, um, throughout the, the municipal district, um, these people, you know, they worked hard all their lives. They paid yeah. their taxes and they found it tight doing that, and they raised their families. You know, and we have a responsibility here in Sligo County Council to make sure these people are looked after properly, and uh, okay. the funds are allocated in, 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 in and that that facilities are supported in, a, in, a, in an appropriate way for our elderly. Yeah, because okay. uh, it's important that we do that. And um, there are many elderly people who are living alone and uh, more services and more funding should be allocated to the people who are providing the services to the elderly. Okay. Carers, Tom, Thomas Healy, what would you say to that 
those people who text in in relation to well, it's, concerns uh, over services? It was back here in 2011 when we had a meeting across the road in relation to the two services that we're talking about, uh, the health centre here in yeah. Cliffany and also the health centre in Carrigan's. And at the time, uh, the HSE, which mean it was to keep the, to keep the two centres open. Unfortunately, the likes of Carrigan's, uh, the blame lies with the HSE. They did yeah. not invest in it and they ran the services down that they can have no services. I suppose if you look at in 2000, uh, when the COVID came in, all centres were closed down and to try and get them centres back up and running. Uh, I have an email there, a parliamentary question which we put down to David Conan. Uh, the HSE have come back and says that they have now given that to a, t- a new provider who will be providing that service. So the HSE is wiping their hands out as such and handing it over to somebody else to carry out now the services in the area. Uh, I'm delighted to see one thing anyways, is that the likes of these social uh, centres will be kept in the communities, which is the most important thing. And that's what we need to make sure is that the people that look for these services, that they're kept in their communities, that they go to a place that they know and that the place that they they have their own people in it. Uh, But like that, there's a lot of work yet to be done on it. Uh, We need to see, see these services open and quicker sooner rather than later as you know yourself we're, we're coming into the winter months uh, if you if, even if we stretch it out further if you go to the likes of uh, um, Eastgate or Innescrone you see the service out there and their mayor is them uh, has been reduced down from four days down to two the importance of people able to get out of their homes and come down to meet uh, other people and to get the, uh, the dinners or get whatever helpers the little, that little bit of social uh, look after is vitally important for people. Yeah, alright, okay. I, I was just reflecting, the last time I was down in Cliffany um, reporting was when there was a threat over the future of the local post office and we were down here and Margaret will remember it, back in 2013 broadcasting live when they lost their local Garda station and again, there's a lot of people out there worried about Rural crime, people living in fear, uh, lack of guard stations, lack of policing. Uh, do you have concerns, Thomas Walsh, in relation to that? Yeah, can you uh, see where, why people are worried? Yeah, and I look, uh, since I've been elected in, in 2019, I've probably tabled more motions than any other um, member in relation to crime uh, and guard numbers. Uh, indeed, the report from the CSO ha- has told us that the guard numbers in Sligo Leitrim have decreased by more than any other division um, in the country. Um, not only that, but uh, not only do we need to see an increase in, in Gerda numbers coming out of t- Templemore, coming to the west, mm. uh, in particularly Sligo Leitrim, uh, frontline Gerda, while particular divisions have seen increases, specialist units have seen increases, frontline Gerda numbers have not increased, and we have to see increases coming into Templemore and I was delighted to see in the budget last week we're going to recruit 600 uh, for the year ahead uh, in Templemore but we have to see uh, a lot of Gardaí particularly frontline Gardaí coming yeah. to Sligo Leitrim likewise we're seeing a number of administrative staff being recruited um, in, in the budget and funding made available for that but I want to say one thing we not, not only do we need to see more frontline Gardaí but we have to see the presence of an armed uh, support unit based in Sligo uh, it's, per- it's that serious. It's, it's at that stage, you think? Well, absolutely, because the nearest unit we have is in Ballyshannon. We have Gardaí holding off uh, on warrants because they're waiting on armed support to come into the county. 
we're putting not only frontline policing at risk, but the communities at risk. And we've had a number of examples of this uh, in Sligo over recent years, and in particular over the last year, where we don't have a base for an armed support unit in Sligo. It's simply not good enough. Uh, and I've, we've asked the regional chief in Galway to examine mm. this, uh, the Garda Commissioner and the Minister for Justice, but we have to see a base. And there is a potential there is a potential potential solution to this because we're all aware of the Sligo Garda station uh, yep. I'm fully acceptive it has not been good enough that we bought a site in Caltra for, the, for a new built Garda station uh, we co- continue to invest in Sligo Garda station which is inadequate facilities yeah. and which is going to continue to have inadequate okay. facilities but we have a potential chance here where we have a building now in Tubbacurry for a new Garda station and we can base an armed support unit there. It's a good position in terms of a geographical location from West Sligo okay. uh, into Sligo Town All right. okay. and we- I, I, I would hope that we would base an armed support unit. We were talking yesterday Councillor Healy with uh, an ex-Garda based in Manor Hamilton who said that the, the, the lack of uh, Garda stations in rural communities does make a difference. There's no question about that and the lack of Garda on the beach does make a difference to crime. Would you agree with that? I and fully agree with it. Uh, as I says, we were down here, Michael Grevy was down in the, the time of this station closed here and if we just look at this t- yeah. village itself we have a Garda station gone, we have the health centre that's closing down and we have a post office gone in a small little village of this size. Mm. What does that say about society and what we're doing for the people that we're meant to be representing? Four, three vital services that's needed in any town and village, and they've been taken out of our rural areas. Uh, in relation to guards are needed, community guards are needed, big time. As it says, if you look at it in the areas that, w- that we're representing at the moment, we have Texelart set up in Colooney, Ballastair, Ballygally, Ballantora, Suey, Ballinacara. That's something that people are putting up. But what's meant to be following in on that is there meant to be a guard of support working along with the people then that these Texelarts are set up. Mm. And we need to see them people on the ground. If you see a guard on the ground, we're coming into Halloween now. I've already looked for a meeting with our surgeon in relation to Colonia and Malisadir on what will be happening and what, what support they have put in place coming into the Halloween areas. That's a more, most important thing. We need guards on the ground. But it's, okay. as Councillor Walsh said, he's right. I'm delighted to see guards coming in. But if you look at it as well, a lot of guards are joining up, but also leaving the services because of down yeah. to the wages and everything else. So we have to look at that as well. OK, Tom Fox. Yes, Niall, um, look, I'd be very supportive of an increase of um, guards on, on the streets and uh, it's important at night, for the nighttime economy, people can see, feel safe on the streets. Um, it's, uh, look, at I'm, as a member of the Joint Policing Committee, I, I'm very aware of an, a, a lot of the issues that are being brought up there and um, look, yeah. there's a lot of great work being done as well. Yeah. Are, we are, have to are say you that, encouraged yeah. what you hear at that Joint Policing Committee? Yes, I am encouraged. You know, there are, there are many areas of crime reduced, being reduced as a result of the great work of the Angarda and And look at, you know, um, it's a challenging time. There's a huge shock in, to the system, to, to us all in recent times. And yeah. the way that they deal with um, dealing with, um, the, with the public has changed as well, you know. So we have to address all of those issues for them as well, you know. So okay. Uh, Donald Gilroy, Councillor yeah, Hilly is right, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I listened carefully to what, you, what your, your interview yesterday and I agreed with absolutely everything that that man said, even though I think maybe some of his superiors or his, his, form, his ex-superiors may not have agreed with him. Yeah, you could the, be right on that the, one. The I fact of the matter is we do need, it's, it's numbers we need. There isn't enough going into Templemore. There's a gap between the different groups, the different classes, and the, there's months at times when there's no students in it at all. I know somebody that, that passed out earlier this year and I, I, I know at that particular time in their group there was nobody sent to Donegal, Leitrim, Sligo, Cavan, Monaghan, 
Mm. Um, there was nobody sent to Mayo. There was no uh, Longford and Galway were the nearest to Sligo that anyone was sent. So we, we, we do need extra numbers here. And any one of us, we all talk to guards on a regular basis about different things. And they all say it's feet on the ground is what they're missing. OK, I, I'm trying to sum up uh, some of the uh, more general points people are making. And uh, what a number of people are saying is, what are you doing? It's not G, it's not your uh, responsibility. But why are there large unneeded footpaths being constructed in Sligo Town when we have potholed roads right throughout rural areas. Uh, Thomas Walsh, you want to take that one? Happy to take that, Niall. Yeah. Uh, for years and years in this county, we've been looking for monies. We hadn't the monies. We were running out of a deficit in the local authority for many, many years. Now we're investing one million per day into improving pedestrian access, walkways, cycleways across this country. Uh, and it all is... Um, uh, leading to a greener agenda but it, it, agenda but it's it's not only that it's improving our physical activity uh, and what we need to see is um, uh, footpath enhancement cycleway mm. enhancement and public lighting across every town yeah, but, and but village not, in this not, county not footpaths like runways that's what people are saying why do they have to be so wide well look that is that is the european that is what's happening across european um, cities right now uh, we're reducing the size of a carriage, carriageways which is the roadway and increasing the pedestrian access on each side and the thought behind that and the evidence behind that is when you reduce the size of a carriageway you're reducing speed we've seen we've seen what the work that has been done in part phase one of O'Connell Street uh, the enhancement plan and work is now being completed uh, almost finished uh, on phase two of the O'Connell Street enhancement plan uh, and you see the great work that has been done there and it allows much more friendlier atmosphere, okay. uh, increase in footfall. It's better for the businesses. It will allow us to develop uh, hopefully okay. a festival and event strategy within the county. And we will see the like of uh, Queen, Me- Queen Maeve Plaza, which will be a transformation of Stephen Street Car Park in, in the next year or two. That's a procurement. It had okay. to go back for a third Did, time. I didn't know that was what it was going to be called, but there you go. That's a new one this morning. Uh, Tom Fox, is all, is all this work that Thomas Walsh talks about, is it at the expense of the repair of local roads in more rural areas or not? Um, no, I don't believe it is at the expense, but, you know, there's always an issue with... We have a huge network of rural-based uh, roads, and there's always issues on these roads. And look, at this money, an increase in funding always being made for to address these uh, maintenance of these roads. But just back to the point of the footpaths there. Yeah. Those footpaths are being built in compliance with whatever... Um, planning is needed or, or regulation that's being given with active travel and that's why they're being designed the way they are by the professional people who, who design them you know hmm. and the other thing the other more importantly is that the, oftentimes these are designed for people with special needs and you know it's a huge issue here yeah. in Sligo we have the highest rate of people with special needs in the country over 15% of our population have, 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 are people with, with special needs so they, they, you know there's a reason for this Okay. And it's important that it's addressed for people with special needs because okay. they can offer so much to the community at large. All know? right, OK. Uh, Thomas Healy, in the roads issue, is it, is it, and you mentioned it there from your clip in 2019, it was your number one issue. Is it still the number one issue? Or one it, of it definitely is, and it's a number one issue for people that's living on first and second class roads. And it is frustrating for people, which means if they went to Sligo and see big footpaths and uh, they're living out in rural areas where their, their, their main road is their footpath and there is no footpath, which means yeah. we have a lot of people that's buying houses out in rural areas and they're paying a development fee of up to 7,000 and 8,000 euros and in, it's included in that if you get the if, when you get the writing from the council is that you'll get public lighting and you get footpaths they don't get anything 
And does mean that then does mean that the only thing that's out there for most of these people then is the community involvement scheme, which means that you have to, you you would have to invest money into your public roads. So I mean, we have people paying property tax care tax and now the rest to pay another type of tax to make sure they have a footpath or that outside their house or, or potholes to be filled okay. look, uh, the trouble is here in, in this county as well if you look back in 2014 before the property tax came in funding was coming down from central government we're okay. funding ourselves and unfortunately okay. there's not enough money there to, right. to do everything we need to do somebody criticised me saying you can't uh, pit country areas against town areas when it comes to investment in infrastructure uh, Donald Gilroy yeah, well, the first thing about the footpaths, a footpath has to be wide enough for a wheelchair to meet a double buggy. And none of us would say that a person in a wheelchair should have to get off the footpath to meet someone with a double buggy or that a parent should have to get off with a buggy to meet someone. So they do need to be that width. That's the reason. They're not runways. They're generally two metres wide. I know that the, there's a, a sort of a plaza area there going at, at Hyde Bridge. Um, w- definitely, I agree. Too much, there's more money going to the urban area but I'm not going to pit it in that way either yeah. and I know it's not your intention um, but there is there is an incline the, 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 both central government and our own local authority are inclined it's easier to apply for funding for projects in an urban area okay. and even the, the rural regeneration funds went to Strand Hill and Ross's Point which are in, uh, Ross's yeah. Point is in our area and Strand Hill is, is a few miles outside town as well but the trouble is the plan we got then describe them as suburbs of Sligo Town, which they're not. They're individual villages. All right. Okay, we're completely out of time. This person says far too much money being wasted to appease cyclists in this uh, county. That's uh, the bottom line. I want to just to have a final summary from each of you. Of course, the next local elections are less than two years away. I presume you're all going to run again. Uh, and, and I just want a, a quick wrap up, a very quick wrap up from each of you before we finish. Thomas Ely, what would you give yourself marks out of ten for your performance? so far and what what are your priorities for the next two years well the people who give me the marks out of 10 at the next local elections so i'm not going to judge put myself up on any richter scale does mean uh i'm just going to keep doing what i'm doing does mean out there representing the people that's what we're here for uh if there's any concerns out there you have my phone number come and i'll work with you i like being out there working with communities communities need to know that they have a voice in everything we do and everything we say we're here to serve them, and that's what I intend to do over the next uh, year and a half. All right, okay, yeah, year and a half almost. Tom? Niall, yeah, look, it's, um, I'm not a man for, for, for American, uh, my, my ratings either, so look, at, I think it's all about dealing with the public, and there's many issues that have to be dealt with. Um, we have to do that on a daily basis. We have to get on with the job we're elected to do. It's a great privilege to do this, and... Um, Look, I'm in, I, I look forward to, to, to campaigning in the next local elections in 2024. There's um, a lot of work has been done, a lot of great work has been done, but a lot more ha- needs to be done yeah. uh, between now and then. So, look, at, um, we're, we're, we're uh, as chair of the municipal district here now, we, uh, we hope to work together for the rest of this term, yeah. um, of the, for this year, and we're well on in the term now of the council, so... Um, we should work together and, and, and get what needs to be done for the public. All That's right, what we're okay. to do. Thank Don, you. Don, will you, will you mark yourself I, or not? Not only will I give myself, I'll give my four colleagues, I'll give all five of us 10 out of 10. Is that ah, fair enough now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you don't I, really I, mean I, that. I, no. I, absolutely. We're all, we're all working. Maybe I deserve a 12. You're right. What, Thomas what you, Walsh says I deserve what, a 12. What would you like to see done uh, in the region and from your own uh, councillor activities in the next year and a half, two years? Absolutely. The, the, the graveyard is my number one priority to try and get it delivered inside that 18 months. And I, I, I have 
you know, it's been my top priority from the start for both the Hamlish and Ross's Point. And remember, that affects the people in Rathcormick and Drumcliff in a huge way because their graveyard is getting full up and, and they're very concerned about that. So that's a, a big thing. And I suppose, look, at th- those are th- they're, they're the big thing. Safety on the roads, absolutely. Yeah. I've been constantly banging away at that, that particular thing and I'd like to pay a tribute to the children here in Cliffney who got a Garda award for their work. Yeah. And the, finally, uh, Malash Gales, I'll have to st- fly the flag for them as well and congratulate them. And just a final thing, that uh, Cliffany Celtic are doing a scrap metal collection. If anyone has any scrap metal, to drop it down to Gorovan's there, a uh, fundraiser for, for Cliffany Celtic. I got a message this morning asking me to All plug right. that. OK, uh, Thomas Walsh, your priorities for the next, until the next local land. I presume you're going running again, it goes without saying, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely, Niall. I look forward to May 2024. Um, uh, and one thing I suppose we focused a lot today on challenging issues or issues that are in our communities across Sligo Drumcliffe but one thing that we're going to see in 2024 the unprecedented levels of funding that is coming into every town and village uh, in Sligo Drumcliffe and across this county we will see the benefits of 580,000 for example in Ballastadir Rural Regeneration Scheme Kaluni 290,000 Barrack Road Street Project starting uh, in the coming weeks Ben Bulban Access Project 198 8,000. That car park has been completed, bus turning, disability uh, parking. Huge levels of funding. Five community centres in North Sligo, uh, as Councillor Gilroy has said earlier, has been funded this week. So the levels of funding coming in, we will see the the advantages of that uh, in the next year or two. But I look forward to the election in May 2024 uh, and I look forward to the people rating me at that point. uh, And and you're looking forward to a wedding as well now, isn't that right? Yeah, I'm heading to a wedding uh, in the next hour and I just want to wish uh, Seana McNeilis and Luke Scanlon who are getting married in uh, Carroll Road Church uh, in uh, about an hour's time the very best wishes and the best of luck uh, and uh, uh, I look forward to uh, uh, having a drink with them later on all right, okay. May 2024, you heard it first here. I didn't know there was a date for the local elections, but there you go. Many thanks to all four of you for coming in. As I say, Councillor Marie Cassidy was unavoidably absent today. Councillor Thomas Walsh, uh, Donald Healy, Tom Fox, and Thomas Healy. Uh, <laughs> cousins, cousins. <laughs> sorry, Donald Gilroy. Sorry, Donald Gilroy, Tom Fox, and, and Thomas Healy. Uh, thanks for joining us. And I'd especially like to thank uh, Declan Harrison and all the Harrison family for hosting us here today in Harrison's uh, Bar and Restaurant in Cliffney. And thanks to Margaret for producing. Um, and to Daniel on sound and to Donal for helping out with production of today's uh, programme as well. We are on the road from now until Christmas. We'll be visiting all the electorate areas. Uh, apologies, we are way over time. Apologies to the newsroom and to Francie. And we're back on Monday morning next at nine o'clock.